From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. So what happens when this is all over? How is that, doctor, for a question? Hmm. Hey, Linda, uh, what are we talking about here? <laughs> right? Right. I'm talking about the pandemic, okay? Things seem like they're slowly coming back to normal. Restaurants, movie theaters, they're all, you know, slowly opening up at their own pace. But experts are saying that maybe the last thing to return to normal is our mental health. Now, do you agree with that? Oh, Linda, you should see what I'm seeing in my practice. It seems like now the mental health issues are really surfacing. I'm seeing a lot of PTSD, a lot of anxiety stuff, panic stuff, a lot of that. And along with that, a lot of substance abuse and alcohol and depression. But, you know, wouldn't this seem normal after what we've been through? Or does it just seem worse this time around? I mean, when I say time around, we are not old enough to remember the pandemic of 1918. But I'm just surmising that this one, as far as mental health, would be worse. Am I right? Uh, Linda, absolutely. You know, I coined this term, you know, cave syndrome, which has really gone viral. And this is much worse than the pandemic of 1918. Okay. Much worse. And that's a big thing to say. So where are you coming from with this? Why do you say that? Back in 1918, um, there were no crutches. The, 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 the people, uh, they didn't have TVs and computers, movies, Zooms and everything. The people had nothing like that then. Now okay, so have- let's break that down. So when you say that, I mean, I'm thinking, great, you know, we got it made. We got Netflix. We've got TVs. We've got telephones. But what you're saying, if I'm getting you correctly, is that these are crutches that are keeping us in our homes and delaying the re-entry, which you're deeming as healthy. Get out there, folks. This is normal. Look, we got all this scary news. You know, during the pandemic of 1918, there was a ban on news about the pandemic. Uh, They had the war going on. President Wilson warned the press not to leak out news really about that, about sickness and deaths. And now you, even if you don't even hardly have the news on, it's there all the time, all the fear. Uh, And in those days, it was word of mouth. People would like come out of their cave, look around and say, well, nobody's dead here. Nobody's sick. Oh, maybe it's okay to go out. I mean, we, they kind of kept it simple. And now people, a lot of people don't feel safe to go out. You know, let's clarify this. You're finding this phenomenon that you've coined cave syndrome, but it really looks at people who've been fully vaccinated who really don't have an excuse to not to go out. You're yeah, vaccinated. Linda, it's good to go out now. And, and, you know, They did a study, the American Psychological Association. They found 48% of the people who were vaccinated were afraid of one-to-one interaction. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I got the patients 
you know, uh, who's telling me, you know, Doc, there could be a variant, you know, out there. And they're telling us, you know, that the variants are covered too, but people still don't want to get out. Okay, so this is a form of agoraphobia, right? I think I've heard you say that. Okay, yeah. So what happened is when they made the diagnostic manual, they didn't understand they were going to have viruses too. So of course, agoraphobia, it's an anxiety spectrum disorder. It's like a fear of open space. Now the people are afraid to get, to go out. So it's kind of a variant on agoraphobia. It's, I think the medical profession is starting to kind of catch on, you know, that this is a real phenomenon. And now people are in their caves and they're suffering from anxiety and mood instability. That's what I'm seeing. Cranky people who are extremely anxious in their, their home, afraid to kind of go out and, like, and, and they're just into their cave. And the isolation has caused all of this. Okay, so let's talk about something positive because, ugh, yes, I mean, if 48, 49% of the population has this cave syndrome, I mean, you know, the topic today is how long is this going to last? I mean, obviously, you don't have a, a crystal ball. You can't say it's going to be three more years and four more months. But if half the population has some form of cave syndrome, I mean, this is going to go on a long, long time until we remember what normal is like. We have lost, lost a lot of structure because we've had to like be isolated, not go to work, etc. We've lost our routines. So with that has caused enormous stress and stress is re- an uncertainty, a very toxic to the me- to mental health, so we don't know what's going to happen, uh, and our routines have been structured, have been broken up, and then the end common pathway emotionally seems to be people suffering from, you know, PTSD or chronic kind of anxiety disorder issues with mood instability, depression, and Linda. Then this leads to the substance abuse, the alcoholism, and ultimately could lead to uh, overdose or suicide. That's really what we're seeing. Well, I want to flip this coin, okay? I want to make this positive. We'll end this on a positive note. So you've been talking about PTSD, okay. But what about PTG, which is post-traumatic growth? There is a segment of the population that has come away from this pandemic as stronger, more resilient people, those who have written books during the lockdown, those who have changed their course in life for uh, a better path. Let's look at the bubonic plague, okay? The second plague in the 1600s. You had people like Shakespeare during their lockdown writing King Lear. You had Sir Isaac Newton coming up with the theory of gravity and motion. I mean, there are those that take this time off and do great things with it? The answer here is resilience, okay? Now, if how are we going to get out of this? Okay, I came up with my MAV approach, and it has to do with achieving resilience. Now, the first M is mindfulness. Focus on yourself, okay? Uh, If you're going back to the office, think, 
how it's going to be and how it's going to be less anxious. If you're socially anxious, deal with it, whatever, contagion, deal with it. So how do we deal with it? Well, we deal with we're getting back into routine, exercising, taking care of ourselves, sleeping, and focusing on ourselves. That's M, A, okay? And A is attitude, okay? Remember, attitude is so important. So we need to cultivate a positive attitude, okay? And this positive attitude um, is going to carry us through now, okay, to our vision, V, okay, vision, okay, now, we want to have a purpose, okay, we want to be connected, okay, it's connectedness is so important, so we want to think about our goals, we want to have a kind of a vision about what we're going to accomplish with a purpose and return to work or whatever way we're going to do with a routine. And all of these, my MAV approach will achieve resilience. And that's what will get us out of this. We need to become a more resilient society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Stop relying on the crutches. Put them away. Let's get out of the house. Let's go back into the sunshine. Okay. Right. That's, my, that's my mantra of the day. Uh, sounds good. I all like right. it. So let's uh, change the topic. Our second topic has to do with how to deal with disappointment. Now, why did I think of that one? Because Mother's Day is around the corner and there's a lot of mothers who, you know, are going to be gifted with flowers, hugs and kisses and all sorts of great things. And then there will be the mom or two or three that one child will forget and mom will be disappointed. Okay. I've, I've been through that. I've got one that kind of forgets what day it is. Um, I was thinking this would be an appropriate subject about disappointment. I mean, we've all been disappointed in life, but doctor, how do we deal with disappointment? What's the best way to get through it? Well, you know, I have to deal a lot with um, th- issues like this. Um, in my practice, and really, uh, not to get too analytical, I really see this disappointment as on the spectrum of, of narcissistic injuries and wounds. In other words, when people feel rejected, disappointed, they fail, they could feel wounded or injured. Now, what I do in my practice when people suffer from disappointment is I kind of use this analogy that let's see if we could put this thing into perspective, whatever is going on here. And in perspective, we could see this maybe as a scratch and not a chest wound. Because every time you get disappointed and it's like a chest wound, then there's a huge emotional reaction, maybe out of context or volume to really what is really going on. So that's really one of the ways I help break it down for people. Well, you know, one of the things I do, because, you know, a long time ago when I'd go on vacation, you know, I had this whole thing played out like, oh, and then it's going to look like this and then we're going to do this. And it's I would make this vacation in my mind preceding the actual trip larger than life. And I would always be disappointed. So my piece of advice would be don't have any expectations. Because if you don't have expectations, you're never going to be disappointed. 
if you have expectations and you kind of build them up and then the disappointment, if things don't happen, you know, could be so great. You know, I, I agree with what you said. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too is empower yourself. Like if whatever just happened, whatever action just happened that makes you disappointed, then don't just go, Oh, well, you know, just then take care of it. Like if your child forgot your birthday, call them up and say, Hey, Bobby, it was my birthday. Take control of the situation. And I think even though that doesn't undo the action of what just happened that hurt your feelings, but at least you feel like I did something about it. And maybe because I said something, it won't happen next time. Unfortunately, I think, you know, a lot of people uh, are conflict avoidant. And instead of doing what you do, which I think is very adaptive, and really, if, if more of us could do that, there'd be less problems. You know, people avoid the conflict, don't say anything, and then kind of brood, you know, with it. Yeah, they ruminate and they get bitter and it's not a good thing. So not, let's no. not be disappointed. And uh, I will call my son today to remind him that it's Mother's Day around the corner. I'll be proactive. How's that? You know, I like that. You know, help people do the right thing. I mean, if yeah. you think somebody may, you know, not to help them out a little, you know, um, at, at times uh, I call my son and say, uh, you know, Adam, it's Mother's Day. Uh, and he say, yo, dad. Thank you. But I was I was going to I was going to call her, you know, so uh, and uh, birthdays was you want somebody the same idea, you, you know, give some people some heads up. Uh, and I like that. I like it, too. Well, and I love talking to you, but we're running out of time, but always good advice. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Same here, Linda. Take care. Bye bye okay. now. Bye bye. From Bregman, MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.